welcome listeners uh, back to the parent podcast from the poolside pass this is episode 10 and the last in the first series of podcasts for parents um, this week we welcome our guest lee hurd of the royal life saving society the uk's leading provider of water safety and drowning prevention education before we begin our topic just a quick word from our supporters streamlined Become a qualified swimming teacher with Streamlined in as little as six days. Learn at your own pace and be guided by our expert tutors. You can do your training face-to-face, online in real time or a combination. Assessment can be in your club using videos or attending one of our assessment venues. We offer tailored, high-quality support. Quote the poolside pass for an extra 10% discount. Uh, welcome to you, Lee. Good morning. Welcome. Good morning. Um, the main topic um, we're going to discuss today is water safety advice and drowning prevention week, which is, is of course, around the corner, the 12th to the 19th of, of June. Um, and I thought we'd probably s- start really the, um, the the podcast with that with that water safety advice for parents um, and, and including your um you know, really a bit of a plug for your for your online sort of uh, toolkit, really, of lifesaver, life changer. Mm. Yeah, thanks, Jonathan. Um, so we, the, the campaign has been going for, this is the seventh year now, and it was, um, I suppose, a part of the organisation's move to try and be um, more approachable for the general public. So we teach a lot of stuff in swimming pools. We teach people how to be safe, but we recognise that there's a barrier to that uh, on top of getting access to swimming lessons in also in an environment where kids are doing so much other stuff. There's so much choice available to them, getting every kid into the pool to 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 be able to be taught about water safety um, is increasingly challenging and we want to make sure that everybody has the message. So drowning prevention was set up really to fill that gap. I mean, how do we get a message to the general public? How do we help them to stay safe? How do we give them the necessary skills to make the right decisions? And that, that's what water safety is about, really. I mean, um, I sit here today after a weekend and a week, actually, of uh, there's been seven drownings in the last week, um, predominantly young males, um, predominantly, um, although we don't know the details of those drowning incidents, predominantly uh, risk-taking behaviour. I mean, we've seen, uh, it's been all over the press, an incident in Dirt or Dime where there's been tombstoning going on. Um, really, really, really risky behaviour uh, that can so often, um, like we've seen this weekend, end in, in devastation and tragedy. Um, so really all of our education, what we try and get across to people, and especially parents, is that it's so crucial for people to have the have the ability to make the correct decisions at, at the right time and we we do see parents as a valuable link in the chain to help their kids to understand the risks associated with water uh, and the devastating impacts that that, that can have um, and, and I think we we um, I suppose be content in the in the way that actually we've all been to the beach and we've seen a lot of communities that they swim in local lakes reservoirs and quarries it seems to be something that maybe generations of, of families have, have done so this so sometimes it's there of content in that it's never happened to me it's never happened to my parents it's never happened to my friends it's never happened to my kids and and even young people that we know get into difficulty uh, we, we've often heard families say he was a good swimmer uh, he, he swam there most summers and calling off during warm periods. 
Um, so we don't really know what happened this time around. And, and that is the stark reality of taking in risks in water, that there's always inherent risks. Uh, and there's also, there's always inherent risks that can lead to the worst tragedy, which is which is unfortunately somebody losing their life. So, so this year, I think we have quite a unique opportunity. Um, our social media um, channels have seen an increase of over 700% since last April in 2019, Fantastic. which I think that's just a indicative of people being in lockdown and people wanting to to look at more digital content. So over the over the past few years, our, our drowning prevention week, we've been uh, educating people in swimming pools. We've had great support from leisure operators up and down. Um, the UK and Ireland uh, and from organisations such as Swim England that have made sure that children join their usual swim lessons, uh, either learn to swim um, and swim schools have been making sure that they've been teaching water safety. Because we do know um, that if if, ch if children have the right skills to, to make the right decisions, um, av avoid risk if they can, but then also if they do get into trouble, know the crucial things to do and how to act in an emergency that that does save lives. So this year, we've not got the benefit of getting all those children into swimming pools uh, and giving them those lessons. So what we've done instead is is make and create digital learning for five to ten year olds. And then we've also got a package that is is available for and for anybody really above the age of 10. Um, and we encourage families to sit down as a group and, and take these online sessions that they're, they're free, they're certificated so that children can have that sense of recognition at the end of them. And, and they go over basic fundamentals of, um, um, I suppose, identifying risks. Um, so we have things like spot the dangers exercises where we give, um, you know, the individual taking that course uh, some some images, whether it be a beach or swimming pool. So they can start to have a look at actually what are the dangers. And we really encourage people to, before they take risks, take a step back and think, you know, what, what could be a risk to me? Um, if something is a risk, can I successfully and proficiently get myself out of that situation so that it doesn't lead to a, a you know a really devastating situation? Um, so that's that's the fundamentals of how those courses start. Then we start to go into more details about practical self-rescue uh, and survival techniques, how to stay afloat on the water, how to get help, uh, who to call should you get into trouble, whether that be a coastal environment or an inland environment. And then also we, we teach some basic land-based rescues so that, again, if, if there's a group of friends that enjoy the water or somebody does see somebody in the water, that they know how to potentially get them out, but always with safety in mind so that they get them out protecting themselves and not putting themselves at risk and in danger. Mm. And you've got huge collaboration at strategic and operational level with the RNLI, haven't you? So. Yes, yeah, we're part of the National Water Safety Forum, which for us is a really crucial body. Um, the main kind of organisations that sit around the table are, are ROSPA, which is the Royal uh, Society for Protection of Accidents, the, the Coast Guard, um, the Canal and River Trust, who own quite a lot of the waterways, especially across England, um, the RNLI, and then we have the, the main swimming organisations around that table as well. And that, that's really crucial that we are able to increase our reach of message. Um, we're able to have strategic relationships. That means that the right organisations are doing the right things and we're all working in, in collaborate, collaboration. Um, and a, an example of that is at the moment um, with a lack of beach lifeguards on duty around the UK coast, but which is just an impact of the RNLI not having the time to be able to get those services up and running. 
um, there's a significant um, pressure on lifeboat crews and the, the rescue crews from the Coast Guard uh, as people are, are choosing to go to the beach, especially during this warm weather. So the RNLI and the MCA have released, um, the Coast Guard have released a joint campaign and, and we're supportive of that across all our social media channels and make sure that we share it with our communities so that as much as possible we can encourage the public to, to take safe action. No, thank you. Thank you, Lee. And I think that sort of leads us nicely on really to how to get involved and, and stay safe in these in these uh, challenging times and that guidance, the education, the behavioural sort of change um, to sort of try and nurture that really and and, um, and, and bring, you know, people and, and families and providing them with as much um, knowledge of how to prevent becoming the victim um, and also valuable um, skills in terms of um, should they be involved in an incident or even be witness to an incident. Yeah. I mean, one thing uh, we've tried not to be um, and we're working hard on is that we, we don't want to be the fun police. Um, you know, the, there's a huge growth in open water swimming um, and outdoor activities, recreational activities. And, and that's something that we really encourage. Um, but just with the proviso that we really do encourage people to do that in a proficient and safe way. Um, there's been a lot of stuff uh, at the moment in the media around open water swimming once the government released lockdown in the first phase. Um, open water swimming was specifically mentioned. Um, yes. uh, on one hand, that's really welcome that we can get people back out swimming. On the other hand, we're, we're certainly concerned that we've got a huge nation of people that probably love swimming in the pool. Um, they they don't currently have the access to those environments. Um, so are, are they going to choose an outdoor space to, to go out and swim? Um, and again, we really welcome that. But just again, with that caveat and message that if, if people aren't used to swimming in in cold open water, then really, and we've we've had the support from some some open water swimming Olympians on this message. Really, now is not the time to be trying that unless you are fully acclimatised to the cold water. And that's best done at a venue where there's a lifeguard on duty and they can pull you out should you not be able to cope with that environment. Um, so we, we really encourage people to do it, but just to do it to be mindful of the fact that they should be doing it somewhere safe, um, just to be mindful of um, the fact that it's a, such a different environment compared to the swimming pool and the impact of the cold on, on your body and your ability to swim can be really significant. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, absolutely. Um, and um, <clears throat> I think, you know, I'd really add to that, really, you've got, you know, climate change that has also challenged local authorities in response in, in, in response to say flooding and, and tidal changes as well um you know around you know talked about the canal and river trust and and water waterways in general um you know there's there's you know water is all around us isn't mm. it? yeah yeah and and the flooding this year does um that's another thing to consider in terms of usual uh, bathing spots um that there's obviously a huge amount of um, land washed this year from the floods. I know by, by myself, I live in Worcester, and even now down by the river, there's still a fair bit of debris from what was quite a significant flooding this year. Mm. So um, and the Canal and River Trust are usually very good at making sure that um, advice is given around bathing waters and where it is safe to swim. Um, but I know I've, I've got some close colleagues in the Canal and River Trust and, and the Environment Agency, and they certainly find it challenging to get around and do all the testing at the moment because of the, the restrictions on on the, their workers and, and what that means to them so 
again, it's, um, you know, the open water, especially where flooding might have happened, that there could be stuff in the water that isn't probably very good for your house. So, again, it's worth just keeping that in mind when people are looking to swim. <clears throat> yes, absolutely. And, and and I said, in terms of staying safe in these challenging times, obviously, there's, there's plenty of information on your on your website to help and encourage people along with the online water safety toolkit. Yes, yeah, there's, look, we've got um, we've got water safety advice for every environment, and that's um, different waterways. But it's also about you know whether you take if you're taking the family abroad, there's safety advice on that. Um, and then um, I suppose we we always try and give the message in terms of what risk looks like, um, so people know how to stay safe. It's to be in, it's to be informed. Like like I said, we're not the fun police. We want people to enjoy our beautiful waterways and and and. Um, you know, it'd be, it'd be a mistake of us not to encourage people to go out and enjoy the beach at the moment. Um, but it's it's about having those correct skills to make those decisions. So we've got we've got that advice and, and top tips on what you can do in certain environments. Um, and then all of that usually links back to some of our online learning where you can actually physically see how you might perform a rescue or the action you might take should you get tired in the water and feel that you're not able to cope. Uh, and and to give the listeners a, a little bit of a review of that, there's some really simple things that people, I suppose, just don't realise because they're, they're not used to being in that environment. But uh, we know that one of the one of the, the biggest impacts on someone being able to swim um, in cold water is the temperature of the water. Uh, and what tends to happen is is the worst thing that can happen is people panic in those environments. Mm-hmm. They start to splash around. Um, the heart rate rises and they start taking on water and once that happens it's really really difficult to be able to proficiently swim as you've been trained and you're used to so it's you know we we encourage simple things like to to lie on your back float especially if you fall into water and you've got clothes on you you clothes tend to fill of water and they act as a natural buoyancy aid Mm. Uh, same same if you've got a wetsuit on Um, and what that allows you to do is to take a moment acclimatize the water um, take a breath uh, and then normally you can make a, a, a informed decision about whether you can try and get somebody to come and help you or you've relaxed enough to be able to safely swim to the side. Um, trying, trying to swim in that panicking stage um, is usually um, extremely difficult. And, and we know that that's one of the reasons sometimes that people don't get back because they're panicking, they're trying to swim and that's when they start bobbing up and down in the water. So just simply lie on your back, arms and legs stretched out, look up to the sky, keep your airway clean. Um, from water uh, and usually that's enough just to make you calm relaxed and make the next decision yeah no thank you thank you and um <clears throat> say so drowning prevention week is uh, 12th to the 19th of june i think yeah um yeah. and 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 obviously um at that time you'll be putting out a lot of um social media and um, um things on your website to obviously uh help and assist and and, and guide people Yes, yeah, so we it's it's always about this time of the year, and one of the reasons we do do that is because we we tend to not have such an early kind of summer spike of hot weather. Mm. Um, so we we tend to do January just before the weather starts to warm up. It's also a critical time for schools to have um, a little bit of more time with the pupils as opposed to being in the middle of a term, um, because once they once they head out to head out from school for six weeks, um, normally in the middle of July. Uh, you know youngsters have a huge amount of time on their hands uh, the weather's hot uh, and unfortunately we we do see a spike in the number of people that that are using the water but also get into difficulty in the water so we position it at this time of the year so we hope that it it gives 
parents the tools um, to be able to educate their kids and give them the right advice before they're they're heading off and in the morning to go and have a day outside. Yes. Um, yes. So we'll be pushing this year, especially we're pushing out a huge amount on social media. We're really grateful to have support from uh, a huge amount of partners, uh, councils, leisure operators that, um, although they're not um, open at the moment, they still have a, a huge following and membership. Um, so we're, we're really grateful to have the support of, of these types of organisations and thank you to yourself for giving us the opportunity to speak to people because this is how we get the message across to so many people so we I'd encourage people to to jump onto our website and follow us on our social media channels because we're pushing out um, safety advice every single day during drowning prevention week. Just um, remind listeners of your website address sorry. It's www.rlss.org.uk so that's Romeo Lima Sierra Sierra.org.uk. Brilliant thank you thank you. Um, if we just move, move on to um, obviously the awards and qualifications that that um, that you provide um, I have to say you know when I was sort of researching um, the, the podcast uh, I was you know, astounded really, actually, how many awards and qualifications there are. I didn't realise um, the extent of it. Yeah, so, I mean, it's always been, we've been a charity that's um, been around for 128 years now. It's always been our bread and butter, really. We were founded on um, an individual that used to be an Olympic diver, and in doing so, he recognised that people were getting into difficulty in the water and there was nobody there to, to rescue them. So he started working on programs that help with community type rescue and that if there was swimmers and surfers and things like that, they, they were trained to be able to help anybody that was struggling. Um, so s- since that time, we've really been, you know, demonstrating our skill in that area. We have a huge amount of um, support and volunteers and members uh, who are interested in, in our training and qualifications. Um, so they, you know, we we work across everything in terms of trying to give people the skills and the ability through a training and award all the way down to age six um, with our rookie lifeguard program mm. through to our really uh, kind of high level professional qualifications where we train as 95 percent of the, the lifeguards in, in pools in England. Uh, and then we, we also train um a lot of people in terms of uh, you know how to manage the water safely so if they're school teachers recreational providers if they're taking children out on the water or taking groups out on the water that they've got the skills and the ability to make sure the environment's safe but then also do something should anybody get into trouble in the water so for us it's about as much as possible how do we give people the skills to enjoy the water safely and how do we get as many people in a community type setting that can perform a rescue our emergency services are incredible and they're, and they're going through a tough time at the moment in terms of managing their own the safety of their own staff and volunteers but but normally um it's it's the actions of the person or somebody that sees an incident that would save a life um, because mm. it takes minutes to get into difficulty in the water and it's it's normally not enough time for the emergency services to respond so it's so important that we can have people with the ability to perform that that safe rescue uh, and we delivered over 350,000 awards just last year across that spectrum of things. So whether it be pool, beach lifeguarding, open water lifeguarding, um, professional qualifications, all the way down to our qualifications that are taught in leisure centres and um, in our clubs to, to children that are interested in water safety. And usually um, usually it's swimmers that take that journey, that they've, yes. they've been part of a swimming club or been through their school swimming and 
and love the water and want something to do and and water safety and life saving offers something a little bit different to to lane swimming and what a swimming club would typically offer yes 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 no thank you thank you i mean that that leads us nicely on actually to um you know swimming clubs really and um becoming an affiliated rl ss uk club um and that uh, that affiliation between obviously a swimming club but also being part of of the rls uk mm-hmm. club um must strengthen a, a club's um a- a- ambitions and it's and it's depth really of what it can offer yeah yes certainly i know that some of our most successful clubs are clubs that would offer um a number of activities uh, and i said it, it usually tends to to work out that if there's a, a good swimming club um and they have um, youngsters falling off um, and, and moving into other activities and not being interested and i think all youth activities struggle with that around the, the kind of mid-teenage years. Uh, it gives it gives clubs an opportunity to try and offer something a little bit different and keep those kids in the pool um, doing mm. something else. Because it, it, it is very different, um, whereas most activities, especially in the pool, you're... Um, you know, you're taught not to shout, scream, and and jump in and save people. Like, this is this is what yeah. our our rewards offer. You know, you, we yeah. encourage people to be as loud and outgoing as they can, um, and we encourage them to do different things that they they wouldn't typically do. And and uh, yeah, so some of our really successful clubs they offer that breadth, and and they also offer other activities um, such as maybe things like water polo, etc. Where they try and incorporate quite a few activities, and it's it's all about making themselves appealing and market marketing themselves to, to parents and children um, so that they can try and keep kids as long as possible in various different environments in various different disciplines. In, in and around water, yeah. Yeah, and the benefit of, um, I suppose, being in a life-saving club and going to our wards, um, most most of the children that do go to our life-saving clubs, they're, they're being trained as a lifesaver for for many years um, mm. and a lot of them then take the jump into being a professional lifeguard at the age of 16 um, because um, it, lifeguarding pays quite well um, and if you love the water and you love being around the pool actually it's a really nice stepping stone for for a youngster to, to have a, a well-paid job yeah it works with things like university because it's really flexible and you can yes. work hours around yes. it and we do know that that's part of a much longer trans positioned into into things like the fire service the police and especially the ambulance service where mm. we, you know, we have youngsters that have trained been trained how to do cpr from the age of eight by the time they become a paramedic they've had years and years of practice and it's a simple move for them very simple very simple so yeah i mean i obviously um encourage any any club you know with the program that you that you offer which you know gives free convenient and practical um resources really to to support clubs and, and run sa- safe and sustainable and successful operations. So, no, thank you. Thank you. Um, the, the last sort of question, really, in terms of um, did, did people know there was a, a lifesaver sport? Um, and, you know, certainly there was a very successful national speed lifesaving championships is obviously, I think about the week before lockdown at Ponds Forge in, in Sheffield. And obviously, there's a 2020 World Lifesaving Championships uh, as well, which m- may not go ahead now, but... Yeah, 
yeah yeah we certainly had a challenge that week about whether we should let the event go ahead or not we was waiting for government's uh, advice with with bated breath but we we decided to go ahead um and i think the athletes that i mean those that know uh, have competitive swimmers as children they'll know um, how much it means to children and how hard they train for those events so it, we was delighted to be able to to let that go ahead in a safe way mm. um yeah it's 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 um it's definitely growing our sport. It's it's always been a way to test people's skills and ability. Um, you know, and we, we have many lifeguards as well that are involved. Um, but what, what we do find, again, is that many of us clubs that are really good at sport are also very good swimming clubs and have a strong squad, yeah. a swimming squad. Uh, and it and life-saving sport potentially provides that the children are on the peripheral and not necessarily looking to make the next jump into um at those higher levels again it offers them something different and we know that we've had swimmers that have not not quite made um you know the next step in swimming but actually they've yeah. come to do life saving and they're, they're winning medals all over the world um, <laughs> so it's you know, it's, a, it's a good opportunity to do again something something different for the children and again it's um it's, it's quite fun and and we have a number of competitions um regionally over the year we have two national type competitions. One is based on speed, life saving, which is um, fundamentally getting people out as quick as possible. Um, and then we've got another one, which is our national championships, which is a, a bit more aesthetic in the way it's delivered because we set up scenarios and uh, and and people are given um, points and scored on the, on the I suppose the way they prioritise casualties and how effective they get them out of the water so it goes back to that really raw skills in terms of what is the best thing to do in an emergency situation mm-hmm. no um fantastic um that's uh it's it's a, it's a great alternative as you say for for swimmers that um may not want to or, or not able to compete at the highest elite level and um it's it's another avenue isn't it to compete mm. on the world stage yeah absolutely um, in summary, Lee, um, in terms of Drowning Prevention Week, and um, can you just sort of perhaps summarise some some tips on staying safe and, and, and as I say, reinforce the, the message about where to access the information from, please? Yeah, of course. I think what the first thing I'd encourage people to do is head on to our website, which is www.rlss.org.uk. Um, and just have a have a look around, really. I think, you know, I'm, I'm a parent myself. Um, and it's always a fine balance between um, helicopter parenting, which you call it, and standing over your children and not letting them do things, um, versus giving them enough ability and skills to make make the right decisions. Um, and, and that's what it is fundamentally about. I mean, on our website and the element of drowning prevention, we, we've got a video on there that looks into um, some of the families that have unfortunately lost somebody to drown in and the, and the story is always, always the same um, it's 80 percent males um, young males it always good swimmers and and it is fundamentally about risk-taking behavior so well, we, I would encourage parents to go through there and understand that actually the enjoying the water does come with its risks uh, and you know we really welcome parent support to be able to sit their children down take them through some of our online learning and help them to realize that actually go out enjoy the water but please do it in a way that's safe well considered and you're not putting yourself at risk because i do get um emotionally drained this time of year talking about the number of lives lost and and it's it's really saddening because it's the it's the parents and the families that have to deal with the impact of that yes yes no thank you um 
so much uh, for that, Lee. Um, and and um, that brings to a conclusion this podcast and, and series one. Um, we hope listeners have enjoyed uh, the first 10 episodes of series one. Um, we're now on Google Podcasts as well. Um, so please go there to listen to our podcasts along with all the other plat- social media platforms and uh, podcasts. And if you please spread the word on our website, www.thepoolsidepass.com or on social media at The Poolside Pass. And we look forward to welcoming listeners uh, back in September for the start of Series 2 and some exciting guests and podcasts. Um, thank you very much again, indeed, Lee, for your time and um, a very, very re- relevant uh, topic, obviously, all year round, but particularly at this time of year. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.